pressure on him. Throws it up for eight. Shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. What a block from Giannis. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. And they're putting Curry in the pick and roll, trying to get him on Irving. Irving and Curry, one-on-one, -on -one. Irving puts it up. It's good! Kyrie Irving from downtown! We're sending it in, Jerome. That's for damn sure. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Tap Room Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. Stacks on stacks on stacks, lads. Joined as always with my man, Mr. Big Ballin, Ben Larson. What's going on tonight, Ben? How much, man? Enjoying the Big Dubs win tonight. Loving life through that. Really surprised about these hockey series, and they have been great. Nice, good weekend. Cannot complain. And drinking, I got some interesting beers for tonight, so I'm excited. How you doing? I'm all right. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm all right. Uh, nah, man, it's just like when it rains, it pours, dude. And yep. that's how it's been this week. I've had some awful beats, man. Today, yep. under nine and a half Red Sox Mariners, 6-6, six, six, top of the ninth, ends up going over because they go into overtime. Mariners score a run. Then the Red Sox have a walk-off home run. Thank you very much to that. Uh, yeah, man, NHL's been very fucking strange. The yes. Panthers cannot get their heads out of their fucking asses. Yep. Um, so that hasn't been very fun. And the Mavs forgot how to shoot the basketball. <laughs> so I mean, everybody except for Luca. Yeah. So there's that. What yep. a, what a day. What a fucking weekend. Shout out to Justin Thomas winning the PGA championship, by the way. Yep. Um, yep. you know, that's. That was a great last round. I watched. I watched like uh, the last like two hours of it. Okay, incredible. The dude, uh, Pierre, Pierre Mito. How do you say his Pereira? Pereira, yeah. Dude, two stroke lead heading into the seventeenth hole, and he blows the fucking tanks. tournament, dude. Yeah, tanks Just, absolutely. Tanks. I feel so bad for that dude, bro. Yeah. Like, chance of a lifetime, first major, and like honestly. If you watch the, did you see his last drive on eighteen? I did not. I mean, he shanked it, dude. Like yeah. you could tell he was just nervous, bro. Yep. You know, and that shit, that shit just sucks. But anyways, we here, we here, we gonna make the best of it. We're gonna stay positive, and we're gonna bounce back tomorrow. Um, I, technically, I didn't have a bad betting day. I went five hundred today, but you know, I thought I had some great handicaps and eh, didn't go my way. That's alright. Yep. That's alright. Yep. And I'm drinking some good beer. I need okay. a good beer after fucking today, after this weekend, man. Exactly. Shit. Exactly. And uh, glad to see you back drinking beers. Um, definitely. Yes. Uh, I know we've we've had a couple episodes during the week where you had some beers, but uh, you know, back here on <clears throat> Sunday drinking our our two beers. Yep, and for yep. everybody who doesn't know, we uh, we review beers on this podcast because we wanted this to be go, like we were sitting in a bar drinking beer, talking sports, and. Um, yeah, you know, I've got two uh, good ones. I, I messaged Jordan a little bit earlier today to see what he was drinking, and he is going sours. So I had to go out and find some sours as well. So we are going to have a sour beer day. 
Um, we really want to give you an insight on what we think of these beers, get you out there trying these beers as well. If you're from the areas that these uh, breweries are, definitely go out and check out the brewery, check out these beers. If you can get these beers, try that too. Um, local bottle shops need your support just as much as those breweries do. But tonight we are being sponsored by Tavour. Make sure to go to Tavour.com or download the Tavour app. Use promo code TAPROOM when signing up and get $10 off your first purchase of $25 or more. In a couple situations, that's two free beers for that $10 off. Um, So definitely utilize that. But let's get into our beers today. Uh, Jordan, what's your first sour of the night? Uh, So my first one is the Key Lime Ghost Sour sour Ale from, um, this is from, who's this from, from? New New Glory out of Sacramento, California. There we go. Um, so obviously like a key lime pie-ish flavor. I've had a key lime sour from Evil Twin before, which was really good. So mm-hmm. we'll see if this one compares because, you know, Evil Twin, they'd be killing the sour game. Oh, yeah. I had that lemon meringue that they made and uh, the Evil Twin. I wasn't a big fan of that, but key lime is definitely uh, it's a, a different beast than uh, lemon meringue. So it is excited to see and new glory is a great brewery they make the uh the gummy worms uh gummy worms beer and the sour gummy worms so i'm looking forward to hear what you've got i am uh, going with a uh fun dip frosé um so this is uh this is from what is it uh king's brewing company they are out of rancho cucamonga california um this is coming in at seven percent and it is made in collaboration with uh oh my god i forgot the name of the candy company um chill extractions forgot the or name. Sorry, maybe not the candy company but uh but chill extractions so um you know uh collaboration beer from uh from two great breweries down in uh southern california nice man looking forward to uh hearing about that one yep. uh but we got a lot of sports to jump into ben a lot um obviously yeah. like i said it was a big big weekend this weekend and uh yeah man uh first of all saturday since we've been on the show on wednesday um you know boston beat the shit out of miami in game two and then miami bounces back wins game three crazy ass game dude like i don't even understand how that game happened and then the warriors are just smacking the mavericks the mavericks just look like shit dude like what they were Doing well against Phoenix was hitting open threes. Dude, they, they've had, they've been shooting 51% on what's considered open threes. So that's like a defender less than four feet away from you. In this Warrior series, they're shooting less than 20% on open threes. Yep. They are missing some wide open shots. And on the flip side, Steph Curry, who's been very inconsistent throughout the playoffs, is finally playing that Steph Curry basketball we're accustomed to. Very efficient. Andrew Wiggins has been great in this series as well. Wiggins has played incredibly. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of been the difference is every game, like you get three or four Warriors players that are playing well. Looney in game two had a career game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Clay was good tonight. Draymond was good tonight. And then on the flip side, on the Mavericks, you get Luka and then really nothing else. I mean, today Din, uh, Dinwiddie was good. Brunson well, had Din- 20 points, but it wasn't an efficient 20. Yeah, Dinwiddie's been uh, – was- uh was surprised to hear this but Dinwiddie's the only player in um you know coming off the bench that has scored in double digits yeah which for the map yeah for the maps that, that can't happen um, well not only that but i mean like davis bertons who's a 40 percent shooter shooting 16 percent in the series maxi kleber tonight 
you saw him, he was wide open. The dude's so in his head that he, like, yeah. hesitates to shoot, and then he steps out of bounds on one of the plays, a fucking unforced turnover. Yeah. I'm Reggie Bullock, 0 for 9 or 0 for 10 from the floor today, 0 for mm. 7, I think, from 3. I mean, these guys, dude, they're just, they're so in their own heads, and it, I, it's, I'm kind of curious if it's because of, like, who the Warriors are. Like, it's a team that went to, you know, four straight NBA finals, won three titles, um, you, you know, or five straight. NBA Finals, I'm sorry, won three yeah. titles. And then the Mavericks, like, they just seem like like they're scared, dude. Like, they're scared yeah. to lose. They're playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think the zone has really been helping the Warriors uh, in this series because they have been able to double up on Luka, but then surprisingly get back and cover, you know, those those open shooters who but they're not like you said, they're not covering them, dude. They're well, missing. They're, they're they're putting they're putting pressure on them. Um, which is which is causing, I think, a little bit of that hesitation. 51% right. of the Mavericks three-pointers in the series are c- considered uncontested, meaning there's yeah. not a defender within four feet of them. Yeah, and they're but, missing. I mean, they're only making less than 20% of them. Yeah. That's and, bad, bro. Those numbers are so low compared to last uh, last series where yeah, they, were, you know, they were going to... Shooting 40, you know, over 40% from three. Yeah. What, what about the number of threes that they've shot? I mean, this is how they play compared to this. Same. Like, they, they were firing it threes. Is? Okay. I mean, right. that's why, like, that's the thing about the style that they play. That's why they lost three games to Phoenix, right? Because they, yeah. they turned the ball over one of the games a ton, and then they weren't hitting threes. The yeah. same thing is going for this series, dude. They've lost three in a row because they can't fucking buy a bucket, dude. Yeah. And even Luka. Like, Luka's having good games, but he's he's not having great games. I mean, he had a great game tonight, putting up 41 points. Yeah, but it, 40. it wasn't even an efficient 40 points. You know what I mean? Like it was a it was a forty point game where like he struggled to score forty points, and that's because he's like facing three defenders because the Warriors don't even care about anybody else. They're literally yep. daring them to shoot. Yep, Kleber over five from the three point line today. Bullock over seven. <laughs> you know, can't can't have that. Dinwiddie four for ten. Forty percent still still good from the three. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brunson only took six, but he he made three. Luca forty four percent, Finley Smith forty percent, at two for five. But you know they they were close this game. Um, closer, closer, yeah. Um, I mean the game was out of like they didn't have a chance, dude. It wasn't ever close in the second half. Basically, like you never no, felt they like brought it, they brought it back. Yeah, but I mean like down. you never felt at any point in that game where it was like, oh, Dallas is gonna win this game after sure. the second half. It was like. Sure. This one's over, dude. Yeah. Because every time Dallas would get within, like, three points, the fucking Warriors would hit another shot and go up six, then yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Shit wasn't even close. I'm, the Mavs are cooked, bro. This, this series is over on Tuesday. <clears throat> you think they're you're, they're going to get swept? Yeah, this is done, dude. They're in That's their it. They're in their heads, dude. They're, they're yeah. scared. They're playing scared basketball. Not Luka, but. Yeah, I still think the Mavericks are going to take a game. No. Nah. Um, Not the no. way they're playing right now. Because so defensively, what they're doing, which is a mistake, and, and I I don't know the answer to it because they really lack size defensively, dude. They have no rim protector. Yeah. But what they keep doing is they like keep they keep forcing Steph to drive rather than shoot a three. So they're basically like trapping him off a screen and roll and allowing him to just dribble into the lane and shoot a fucking wide open layup. Yeah, or. He slips it to Draymond or Kevin Looney, and they have a wide open layup. Like they're just getting killed on that. 
Yeah. Because they, they're so scared of Steph killing them from three. Yeah. And it's like, he hasn't been shooting well from three all series. This series he is. He is shooting yeah. well from three. But a big part of that is because the Warriors are shooting so many open shots because Poole, uh, Curry, even Wiggins is just killing them on the dribble drive because they're so scared of those dudes knocking down threes. Yeah. Whereas, like, against Phoenix, they weren't scared of Chris Paul killing them from three. They weren't scared yeah. of uh, of really anyone ex- outside of Booker, you know? And yeah. it's... That's the biggest difference, and I I don't I don't see an adjustment they can make, dude. Like yeah. they just don't have the personnel at all. Yeah, I think that's I hundred percent agree with you on that. Their their depth is not good at all, um, and I think that's that's a big aspect of you know what they'll need to work on in this offseason to get more depth in their you know in their lineup. Um, getting a, a a player that can come off the bench and score 20 points. Um, I mean, I, I know that they have Dinwiddie there, but you know, in my eyes, Dinwiddie should be starting. Um, but it's like, who are you going to put on the bench though? Because you need Dorian Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock's defense. That's the thing. Yeah. And that, that's the, that's the weird thing to me too, is because like Bullock and Finney Smith, basically Finney Smith defended uh Booker. But he did a great job in that series against Booker. You know, really, he really held Booker in check. The difference in this series is, A, Bullock and Finney Smith aren't hitting their threes consistently, so it changes everything on offense. And then, B, like I said, they're playing Curry way too high because if you allow the Warriors to penetrate and kick out, like you have Clay Wiggins, like all those dudes can shoot threes, bro. And I think something they didn't utilize today, which I mean, we kind of saw them try was, you know, pushing those players who are in foul trouble. You had clay, you had, or sorry, not clay. You had uh, Jordan Poole and uh, Steph have three fouls going, you know, with five, at least five minutes left in the first half. And they tried to switch up on Steph, but well, they're playing a box in one dude. And yeah. That's, like, I'm telling you, bro, the the Warriors do not respect anybody on that team other than Luka, dude. Like, they're literally daring these guys to shoot, dude. Yeah. And and it's in their head because that that can be mentally taxing, dude. It's like, damn, these fools fucking disrespect me so much. They're leaving me wide open. Like, damn. And Kleba, I mean, that guy just, he looks like a fucking mental wreck, dude. Yep. If if there was a picture of, like, a fucking two semi-trucks colliding head-on, that's Maxi Kleba's head right now. He looks fucking lost, and yep. and yeah, dude. I think this series is a wrap on Tuesday. I don't see the Mavs winning. They're no. they're booking their plane tickets to Cancun right now, dude. This shit's yeah. over. And the the thing that sucks for the Mavs too is I feel like this is kind of a similar situation to Atlanta last year, where like Atlanta went on this like nice run. They have a nice player in Trey Young. I would say Luke is better than Trey Young, yep. but it's like. They're in a tough spot to rebuild that roster because, A, they don't have draft picks, and, B, like, they don't have any f- money in free agency, really. Like, yeah. you trade for Dinwiddie, he's a max player. You have Luka, who's going to be a max player. Like, so I don't know how they're how they're really going to upgrade this roster. Like, they're going to have to get very creative, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy, though. The Western Conference this year, man, the Warriors had a nice path, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> they had a nice... They're cakewalking in, in Boston and Miami are over here beating the shit out of each other. Like either one of these teams that makes it to the finals is going to be fucking beat up. That's the scary yeah. part. Yeah. 
Um, and and Mar- Marcus Smart's probably series. not going to play next next game too. He's yep. he's likely out. So let's let's talk about that game tomorrow. Let's let's handicap it. So right now, Boston minus six and a half point favorites. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull this up real quick. I'm trying to pull up the line. I I had it here. Uh, so we're, it's still a six and a half at pretty much every shop. Uh, Miami catching 58% of the money right now. Boston, 56% of the tickets on the money line, Boston minus 275 heat plus 220. So this is an interesting line because the injury report is like a fucking novel. Basically yeah. everybody's on it. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler obviously left last game. He's questionable to play. Tyler Hero's yeah. questionable to play. P.J. Tucker is questionable to play. Kyle Lowry is questionable. Um, and then on Boston side, you have Marcus Smart questionable. Robert Williams qu- questionable. Yeah. So we there's a lot of a lot of guys that may or may not play in this in this game tomorrow. I'm basically ruling out Marcus Smart because a Boston beat writer tweeted out earlier and he said Mar- Marcus Smart was in a walking boot. Yeah. So yeah, and um, Jimmy Butler did say that he's going to play tomorrow. How effective um, he'll be, who knows? Cause... Exactly, and how how much is he actually going to play? Because he only played, you know, a half last game. So the inflammation is no play? joke, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that shit's only going to get worse. Yeah, progressively. Yeah, I mean, like this is the thing about this series, dude. Is Boston's a much better team, right? Mm-hmm. As a whole. Game one, Miami wins. No Marcus Smart, no Al Horford. I took Miami money line for that very yeah. reason. I had a feeling they were going to win. Game two, Boston beats the fucking shit out of them, right? Yeah. Not didn't expect Boston to win by like 20 or 30 points, but Boston is a better team. Yeah. Game three, Boston 24 turnovers, which leads to 33 Miami points. Jimmy Buller doesn't play the second half. Marcus Smart rolls his ankle early in the second half. He's basically playing on one leg. Um, Tatum goes down hurt with a shoulder injury in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Miami only scored six points in the fourth quarter until the two-minute mark. Guess how many points they scored after two minutes, Ben? Wasn't it like 12? 20 fucking points, dude. Oh, wow. Okay. Basically yeah. all on free throws and technical foul free throws. Yeah. Bro, the under had a 97% chance of hitting with two minutes left in the game, and it ended up going over because wow. there were so many points free throws dude with the clock stopping basically like what happened in games one and three i don't think are very much repeatable for miami like bama out of bio is not going to score 29 points again dude yeah and especially if you watch that game because he hit some fucking shots that like they were fucking prayers dude yeah he hit one at the end of the shot clock and al horford got a hand in his face like this yeah. And he hits it, dude. He like he starts backpedaling, like yeah, he, like he was so like, dude, that was luck, bro. You just tossed that motherfucker up, and it went, happened to go yeah. in, dude. See, but my question is, how do they limit the turnovers? Because Boston can't go through, yeah, and have twenty three turnovers. Well, a lot of their turnovers were just fucking boneheaded, dude. Like unforced, just some bad turnovers. Uh, Jalen Brown fucking like coughed up the dribble like four times, dude. Yeah. Just led to fucking layups on the other end. It's not even like anybody stole it. Like he just fucking mishandled the ball. Like you don't usually see professionals do that. Yeah. Jason Tatum had a few bad passes that he kind of just threw away. Um, and I, and that's the thing. That's what Miami's been wanting to do. They've been wanting to get the ball out of Tatum's hands and making him make a quick decision. And he hasn't been able to do that. 
you know, will they continue to be able to do that? Yeah. Is Tatum going to score 10 points again? Probably not. You know what I mean? He's a much better player. So that's why I expect Boston to bounce back. I don't love the six and a half. Um, I'm not going to lie. I would probably lay the points with Miami here, but I do think Boston's going to win. But I mean, at minus 255, there's not a ton of value on the money line. So this, I think this is a line that you're going to have to pay attention, first of all, to the injury report. Like get on Twitter and follow along the beat writers because they're gonna they're gonna break the information before anybody else. Yeah. And you might be able to get ahead of a line. But like if Jimmy Butler doesn't play, this line's gonna swell to like eight and a half. Marcus Smart, I don't think is playing. That's why I wouldn't lay the six and a half. Because mm-hmm. I, I would say he's worth a half point, maybe yeah. a full point. He's what the best looking, defensive player. What about looking at the over under of uh two of seven and a half? Well, I mean, you know, normally I would play the under on these two teams, but with the way they've been getting to the free throw line, it's it's tough, dude, because that's a lot of free points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Game one, there was like 44 free throws made. Yeah. Um, And then last game, like I said, like 97% chance of the under hitting with under two minutes left. And it, yeah. they score combined 29 points in two minutes, dude. Yeah. Like so game one went to 225. Game two went 229. Game three went to 12. And they should have finished at like 198. Yeah. <laughs> That's what so, it honestly should have been. Yeah. And if there's no Marcus Smart, I mean, you're losing a defensive player. But then again, if if you lose Jimmy Butler, you know, yeah, you lose your best offensive yeah. player from Miami. And that's huge, yeah. dude. Like if Butler doesn't play, this is like a 10-point game, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Would you lean over or <clears throat> under on that 207? Over. Yeah. Yeah, over especially with it with Marcus Smart in question because yeah. he's our best defensive player. Like if I were to if I were to take a bet on this game right now, it would be the over. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Even though I would want to play the under because I mean these are the two, well them and these two teams in Milwaukee are the three best defensive teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Coming into this series, Miami was only averaging ninety eight points a game in the playoffs, dude. Yeah. And then they're putting up over 100 versus the best defensive team in the playoffs. So, you know, remember I we talked about this game one. I was like, you know what? These are the best two best teams. I'm going to take the under. So they're probably going to go over. Yeah. I think that was, what, 214 and a half. Um, was that the first game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I can pull that up really quick. Uh, did you bet it? I did not. <laughs> Uh no. Well, it was two oh nine, right? Two oh three. At least that's two oh three. No, I think that may have been what uh, it opened as. Uh, I mean, I would that that's not a, honestly coming into this game like that's a pretty fair line, dude. Yeah, because Miami was averaging ninety eight points a game coming into this series, and Boston was only averaging like one hundred one. They weren't averaging yeah. a ton of points either. Game two was 206. Game three was also 207 and a half. Now it's gone up to 209 or no, 207. It's a two seven and a half. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I mean, that's just this line has no adjustment. The book's like really going off their numbers from before. Cause I mean, honestly, like 203, 204 is like that's about right with these two yeah. teams coming into the series, how they play. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, should we hop into some Major League Baseball, Ben? We got some news. Let's do it. All right. So, Major League Baseball, every week, Ben and I give you our our top five teams of the week. But this week, 
we have a couple of things to talk about because we have some news that have come out. So the first, the first piece I want to hit on, um, is this, this piece on, uh, on, on what happened between Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson today or yesterday, I'm sorry, on Saturday, um, between the white Sox and the Yankees benches ended up clearing, but Liam Hendricks closing pitcher for the, for the, uh, White Sox had a uh, interesting comment, which I want to play for y'all right now, and then we'll get some reactions to it, Ben. So I'm gonna play it real quick. Angle what happened, and he repeated what was said. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's completely inappropriate. And then after hearing what was said after the game, uh, usually you have inside jokes with people you get along with, not people that don't get along at all. So that uh, that statement right there was complete bullshit. But then again, my uh, my feelings towards the individual in question are pretty well documented in the fact that we don't get along, and the fact that I have now spoken to I think it's four separate clubhouses that he's been into, and as a whole, none of them have gotten along. So yeah, him trying to pull that, trying to whip out that narrative is completely not a bullshit. So some pretty strong words there from Liam Hem- Liam Hendricks, basically uh, yeah. saying Josh Donaldson's a piece of shit. <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, what what did you think about about that, Ben? I'm surprised you didn't have your uh, button ready to go. Oh, that is one big pile of shit. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think Hendricks is right. I mean, we've seen Josh Donaldson get under the skin of of so many you know, other teams and well, you know, saying eyes, that, that teams he's played on. Don't no, like uh, absolutely. No. And in, in my eyes, those have all been really douchebag moves that didn't really need to, to happen. So it wouldn't surprise me that that is brought over into his own, you know, his own dugout, his own, you know, clubhouse that he's, that he is a piece of shit and nobody likes him. Yeah. Um, you know, it <clears> sucks <throat> that he had his, you know, few, you know, outstanding years, to make him worth as much as he is to a team. But you got to really wonder what that, what that does to your clubhouse. And I'm really kind of interested in, in seeing what, you know, Boone does in reaction to this, because that clubhouse could be very separated, um, you know, within that Yankees or organization um, because of what said. And from this point, you know, what we heard uh, Aaron Boone say today it doesn't seem like the Yankees are doing anything, um, you know, because of these comments and Boone's not doing anything in the clubhouse because of these comments. So I'm really interested to see how this is going to separate the clubhouse because you do have African-American players. You do have white players. And from what it's looking like, the white players are defending Donaldson in this racist comment that he made. Interesting. I haven't seen, I haven't heard anything from any Yankees players, but I do know that Yankees fans are defending him. Yeah. That's not unusual, but I mean, like, you know, it's always fuck the Yankees, first of all, (laughs) but on a serious note, like, you know, he, Josh Donaldson tried to come out and say like, Oh, well, you know, me and Tim have joked about it before, whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, he felt some kind of way, dude. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So I don't, I think there was obviously more said, um, 
And, like, it's hard to, like, discredit someone like Liam Hendricks, who is a former teammate of the guy. And not only that, he's a former teammate of him, and he's played in a clubhouse that Josh Donaldson was a year removed from. So he played with a ton of guys that played with Josh Donaldson. So the fact that he's, like, I know four other clubhouses that he's played with that don't like him. Like, it has merit to it, you know what I mean? And you can't just disregard that shit. That's every other club that he's played with. Yeah. And, I mean, Minnesota, look how much better they are without him. You know what I mean? Like, they've been playing a lot better. So it's, it's like, you know, is there some merit to it? There might be. The Yankees are a pretty professional organization in the sense that, like, I feel like guys go and, and it's a, like they clock in, do their job, and you know, do whatever they do outside of it. Um, so I don't know if it'll affect the Yankee clubhouse, but I mean, the guy's not even playing that well to begin with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. pretty much replacement level at this point. So you know, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that they could like move on from him without any like repercussions or anything. Yeah, I mean, do you think that the that the Yankees should be taking? precedent and they should be the one suspending him taking him out of the out of the game or do you think this should be because we know now that mlb is looking into the situation yeah um, i think and will probably suspend him for it but my opinion is that should be the yankees doing this i mean they're gonna they gotta let the investigation play out by the major league baseball you know what i mean like what good does it do if they suspend him okay major league baseball isn't going to investigate it you know what i mean like they're already doing it yeah. So, I mean, is he going to get suspended? I have no idea, dude, because it's all he said, she said. And, like, yeah. obviously his teammates are going to defend him, and the White Sox players are going to defend Tim Anderson yeah. and their teammate, right? So we may never know the truth about what was – I mean, obviously he said I called him Jackie, right? Yeah. But in what context, you know what I mean? Because obviously something was said that pissed him off, Yeah. right? So I think that's the thing. We'll, we'll never know the truth, dude. It'll yeah. always be he said, she said, and it's who you believe. And I think that's why, like, a guy like Liam Hendricks coming out and saying that shit that he said about Josh Donaldson, it adds merit to it because he's been there. He's seen yeah. two clubhouses with him in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So two of four. Yeah. So I think you got – if I'm going to believe someone, I'm, I kind of got to side with Liam. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless somebody comes out in one of those other locker rooms like, man, Liam Hendricks is lying. Then it's like, okay, yeah. this is really a fucking disaster at this yeah. point, dude. Like, But nobody is coming out and saying that yet. Uh, you know, so I I mean, I would hope Josh Donaldson, uh, like, wouldn't be racist. But it also, like, wouldn't surprise me <laughs> that a white guy in Major League Baseball who probably grew up – I'm pretty sure he's from the South, too. I'm, I'm not entirely – I'm pretty sure he's got to be. You know, would it surprise me? Absolutely not. Is it right? Absolutely not. Yeah. Major League Baseball should suspend him. I just think that it's going to be very difficult for them to do it. You know what I mean? Because then you have, <laughs> where is he from? The South on. One of the most redneck places in the United States, fucking Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> See, dude, I told you, yep. bro, he's from the South. <clears throat> yep. He always had that, like, southern swagger to him, dude. I always fucking knew it, bro. Yeah. Not a good southern not, swagger. That does not surprise me one bit. That is one big pile of shit. And I also did lie to say he's been on five teams previously. So four out of the five is 80%. Yeah, still, this is his fifth team, right? So big. Uh, this is his sixth. So he played with Oakland, Toronto, Cleveland, 
uh, Atlanta. Oh, I forgot Minnesota. about I forgot about those Cleveland and Atlanta stains. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is sixteen. So four out of six clubhouses. And if you're that good of a player, it should be pretty, you know, you shouldn't be moving around like you are. Yeah, I mean, there's also, there's always this famous saying that I remember that someone told me a long time ago, because, you know, a guy like Stefan Marbury, for example, got traded a lot. And this one person always told me, older person, wiser, he always said, you know, when a guy gets traded like that, there's usually something wrong with him. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. If someone's willing to trade a talented player like that, there's usually something behind the scenes that isn't very good. Yep. And it it's always made sense, dude. And it kind of like, you know. Plays out. Yep. More often <clears throat> than not. It does. But I thought that was an interesting. I thought getting some Major League Baseball drama was good this week. It added to the the Yankees White Sox series, and then Tim Anderson hits a fuck. He he hit a lot walk off, but he basically hit a three run home run night tonight. Basically yep. sealed the game up, dude, and silenced that crowd. Yep, absolutely silenced them. And White Sox are uh, they just split the series against the Yankees, starting to roll a little bit here, Ben. Yep, they need to get healthy though. That starting <laughs> pitching because that fucking rotation sucks. Yep, which leads me to some other news that we had break this week. And that is that Juan Soto is apparently reportedly on the trading block. Yep. And there's two there's two teams that are massively interested in him, which is the Toronto Blue Jays and the San Diego Padres. Yep. What do you think about any of those teams? What do you think about uh, these two getting trade or not these two? But what do you think about Juan Soto maybe getting traded? I mean, it, it makes <clears throat> complete sense to me. Um, you know, he's wasting away his years in, in Washington. And, you know, that team just doesn't really have much behind him, especially with Strasburg hurt all the fucking time. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily give them that that defensive push to this incredible player that you have in Juan Soto. And, you know, it it, it is so sad to see him just go year after year of not making the playoffs and not being on a team that just will not have a real push to be a contender. And, you know, with the quality of a player that he is, he needs to get out of there. And I completely understand that. And if that means making a little less money, you know, outside of Washington, you know, for him to, to win, I think is bigger, you know, a bigger priority for him than, you know, making an extra 2 million, 3 million a year. And I'm okay with that. He's already he's won still a World be, Series. Yeah, he's still going to be, you know, making an exorbitant amount of money. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Washington or you're in Toronto or or San Diego. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see him in <clears throat> Toronto. Um, that offense would just be in- incredible. Um, but would it, would it though? <laughs> as long as they're yeah, as long as I mean, this is all the home runs. They just won't be hitting anything with the. He is he has zero control so. if he gets traded. Like yeah. that's out, it's completely out of his hands because he's yeah. still on his rookie deal technically. So yeah. do or for arbitration, um, <clears throat> like what it's really going to cost is what is or what the biggest question is what it's going to cost to trade for him, and then oh. on top of that, what you're going to have to sign him to. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're going to have to give up a ton of prospects, plus you're going to have to sign this guy to like a $400 million deal. Yeah. 
because that's yep. what he's worth. Um, like apparently, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I just don't see either San Diego or Toronto shelling out that type of money. Well, so I was gonna say, reportedly, Toronto is willing to give the Nationals whatever the fuck they want. Like that's how bad they need this guy because yeah. this offense fucking sucks, yeah. and they are dead last in Major League Baseball on hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah. And bringing in a guy like Juan Soto to either hit in front of or behind Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah. I mean, that's a nasty one, too. Like, yeah. at that but point. Yeah, and that would be the only player who's off the table. Well, I mean, they probably wouldn't trade Boba Shedder, Teoscar Hernandez. But I was also going to say, like, then you have to hope Teoscar bounces back to what he played like last year. Because right now he's hitting like 170. And he's, yeah. he's in the toilet. And it, but if he bounces back to what he did last year, and you have a one-two-three punch like Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, Juan Soto, and Teoscar Hernandez, I think that's good. The Blue Jays have Nate Pearson, right, uh, up and coming top pitching prospect, and they also have a ton of other one hundred top one hundred prospects. So they have the prospects to get a deal done. They are yeah. definitely going to have to mortgage their future. That is not in question. Yeah. And. I don't even think it's out of the realm of possibility if I'm the Blue Jays that I would fucking trade Bo Bichette. Yeah, exactly. I would I would definitely put Bo Bichette up on the trading block if that was if it meant getting um Juan Soto. Juan Soto back. I'm trying to see No, Austin isn't on uh isn't on the Blue Jays list anymore. Uh, no, he got traded to the he got traded to the twins last year for Barrios. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's right. So that's what I'm saying. Like their their best prospect is Nate Pearson now. So yeah. they're they're gonna have to part with him. And the Nationals obviously they they want pitching. That's I think that's what their their number one need is. Yeah. So and if you're the Nationals, dude, like you're a couple years away regardless. So you might as well <clears throat> think about shipping him because you can get a haul, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Blue Jays have the they I think they have the most well. I think Tampa has the best prospects to get it done, but Tampa is not shelling out four hundred million, dude. No, and they're not going to trade their best prospects to get a guy for one or two years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't see that happening. The Dodgers, I think, could be able to get it done too, but the Dodgers have always been reluctant to trade their top prospects, so I, mm. I don't think that they're going to do it. Plus, they have the money where they can just be like, "Oh, we'll just wait for him to hit the market, dude, and we'll give him yeah. more money than anyone else does." You know what I yeah. mean? So I think I don't think they're going to trade for him. I honestly think the Blue Jays is the best destination, dude. Yeah. Well, and and the Dodgers are going to have a lot of money freed up in what two a years? Ton. No, after this year, dude. I think they only year? have like three guys on the books: Mookie, Freeman, and then they have like all their rookie deals, like Walker Buehler, because David Price gets off the books this year. That's a mm. huge fucking. That's thirty-five million a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Kershaw's off. Kershaw's off. He's only on a one-year deal, and then yeah. uh, Justin Turner's only on a one-year deal right now. Trevor Bauer will be off their. Books. Trevor Bauer will be off the books. Well, he yeah. he might be off their books this year if he gets uh, if he doesn't if he doesn't um, what's it called appeal the appeal the suspension yeah that could be off the books. So the Dodgers have a ton of money, dude, yeah. and their owners because they have a. Uh, ownership group and collectively that ownership group's worth worth like sixty eight billion dollars. So it's like yep. they don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Like they'll spend the money. It's unfortunate, let me tell you. The Giants I also heard rumored to be interested in Juan Soto. 
Yeah. That would mean Marco Luciano would be gone. Um, which I think he's number six or seven prospects in baseball right now. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it would definitely, he'd be great hitting in, is it Oracle now? Uh, AT&T, Oracle, Pac-Bell. I think it's Oracle. Those fucking names. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, he'd he'd break an Oracle. And, you know, I think that would be a a great place for him to go. Yeah. we do have the prospects to to get him here. Um, I think it would be Patrick Bailey and Marco Luciano, um, and a hell of know, a lot more. It's yeah. going to take like your four top prospects to get him. Oh yeah, yep. Um, but those uh, those two would at least be a good good start. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it could work. You know, we have a lot of money coming off the books. Um, That's true. You know, next year as well. So it definitely could be a, a possible landing spot and. You know, that would definitely, that would be definitely something that the Giants need to do to keep in line with San Diego and LA. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like getting him so San Diego doesn't get him, I think would be a, a win in itself. Or yeah, so the Dodgers don't get him. Yep. I mean, the Dodgers are just like, dude, they just fucking reload, though, dude. They have like, yep. so, they have good prospects. It's just, it's just nasty, bro. Like, yep. they're about to not play Max Muncy because he's sucking and they're just going to play Edwin Rios, who's fucking raking, dude. It's like, yeah. Just one guy after the next, dude. It's crazy. Um, before we get into our top five teams, though, I, I did want to ask you about your Giants because, you know, last year when they were making their incredible run, I told you it might be it might be nasty. that It might be a bad thing that they're making that run because it might set them back because they're, gonna, they're going to have some kind of false hope going into the next season. And we're seeing a bunch of guys that balled out last year. They've really regressed this season and the giants like their bullpen ben last year was like lights out and now they can't get nobody out that bullpen is struggling yeah i mean the bullpen was the big struggle last year as well um but they were nice know. throughout the year they were they're pretty consistent they were, they were better for i'd say the second third of the season um in the last third of the season i put them at mediocre maybe just above uh mediocre but that has always been the kind of Achilles heel of the Giants of the last, I'd, I'd even say four years, um, is their relief pitching. And, you know, it's definitely something that we we need to address as, a, you know, as a Giants fan. Um, and, you know, we need to, you're absolutely right. The, the players who played big last year are not, are, are not having the offensive firepower that they, you know, had last year. Pitching has, I don't want to say starting pitching has struggled this year. Hasn't been nearly as good. It hasn't been nearly as good. Yeah, we don't have that depth. And a lot of that has does have to deal with, you know, minor injuries here and there, um, you know, for our, our starting rotation. But, um, you know, this is where I think this is where we saw the Giants being last year and where we thought they would be this year. I thought they'd be a little bit better than, you know, they're they're currently well, 22 and 18, so just over 500. But, you know, this is a 500 team and not the top team in the West like we, we saw last year. So I think because pitching were was lights out last year, you know, it definitely did get our expectations up. But I, I think we got to remember that this is a 500 team and 
uh, I think they just played out of their minds last year. Yeah, no, they played way out of their minds last year. But when I yeah. said that, you know, it was crazy. But it's like they they really did. And I, I think that they, like a, last year I thought if they weren't as good at the trade deadline, like they could have traded some of those veterans and got some nice young pieces. But instead they like held on to them and then they extended some of them like Brandon Crawford. So now it's like he he's not having a great year and he's older and now you're stuck with him for even longer. And then you got guys like Logan Webb who last year had a sub two ERA this year. He is a four ERA. I mean, the giants is a team 24th in ERA in pitching dude. And last year they were top of the league basically all year, like one, two or three. Well, but again, you got to think about the injuries that have happened to our starting rotation. Webb's been injured. Discolfini has been injured. But Webb hasn't missed um, a start. Webb's been injured. What's that? Webb hasn't missed a start yet. Yeah, but he's still not throwing it 100%. I mean, he, he just ain't as good. I mean, it might oh, be no, injuries. Yeah, of course. He's not as good as last year. But if it's, if it's, a, that, but. If, it's inj- if he's injured, he shouldn't be throwing the ball, dude. That's not good. Yeah. Because if you're going out there hurting your team, like, what, what good is that? You know what I mean? Like I just, I, I think that's crazy. But let's hop into our our top five teams, Ben. So, what's your what's your top five looking like this week? All right. So last week I had the Yankees at number one, Astros at number two, Angels at number three, Dodgers at four, Mets at five, and uh, things have definitely changed here. Um, so starting at number five, we got Minnesota, uh, absolutely hot team right now, seven and three in their last ten. Their last ten. Um, They have had an easier schedule in these last 10, but they're winning the games that they need to. Uh, And we talked about Minnesota, you know, being a top team and top caliber caliber, uh, you know, team within this, uh, their division and within the AL. So I think this is where we are going to see Minnesota sitting um, as not the best team, but one of the bet, the better teams in uh, the MLB, they did just get swept by the Astros. So they can't put them over my number four team which is the Houston Astros uh, second and earned run fourth and home runs um, allowed. So their pitching has really, you know, become one of the hottest in baseball. They're playing out of their minds at home uh, 12 and five on the, the season. And they're starting to kind of push offensively, which is going to make this team really, really good, which is something that I absolutely hate, but um you know, they're always going to have that kind of stigma within my head, just like the Dodgers now. Um, number three, we're going to go with San Diego. Huge sweep of the Giants this weekend. They absolutely destroy the Giants. Um, I think the biggest one was a 10-1 win, um, which is really going to give them their confidence, but they're really going to get a test this week uh, when they play the Brewers. Um, to, I mean, my opinion, I'm going to bet the under on every single game in this series. Um, you know, something that really surprises me is that you've got the Padres being the 22nd best batting average in the league yet they're number two in their division um i think number three overall in baseball so it really shows how their defense and their pitching is really kind of holding these this you know team together so definitely bank on that number two i'm going to go with the new york yankees that a really tough series against the white Sox, um which you know as we talked about really brought some turmoil um it's going to be interesting to see how that clubhouse really reacts to the donaldson comments um, I'm, I am a little worried about how, uh, they, we might get some separation in that clubhouse. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to be 
you know, an interesting kind of few weeks ahead because they do have the Orioles coming in, um, which would be an easy series, but then they've got the Rays and the Angels, which is going to be kind of a tough way to end out this month. Um, So we don't sleep on them Orioles, man. Yeah. Could see them uh, dropping down. They just destroyed the Orioles in their last series. So they lost um, one of the games, but it was like what? Two to one. No, it was Um, like nine to six. And the Orioles came back from down like four runs. Yeah, I'm not worried about the Orioles. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees uh, end out this month. To be honest, I can see them not being on the top five list at the end of the month. Um, you know, But again, if they do, then they're going to be at this number two spot. Uh, and I think they're still going to be number one behind the Dodgers. Um, so Dodgers are my number one team, six and one this last week with wins over the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. They only lost one game today to the Phillies, um, and that was in the 10th inning. Plus 88 run differential, which is the best in MLB. 15 and five at home, 12 and eight on the road. Like it doesn't matter where these guys are playing. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's lights out. They've got the Nats, Padre, or sorry, Nats, Pirates, and Diamondbacks coming up. Um, not a hard end of the month. Uh, and I think that's just going to push them ahead of every single team in the MLB coming up this week. Yeah. Or, sorry, this month. That's a that's a nice stretch of games to have. Yep. But the reason why I say don't sleep on the Orioles, dude, is because they, they play hard, and they actually have a great bullpen, and they have nice young starters, dude, that are – the problem is is that they're learning how to pitch. Like, Kyle Bradish has elite stuff. Like, he's going to be a, like, top three of the rotation kind of pitcher once he's, like, in his prime. The problem is is that he's a rookie, you know what I mean? And so those, yeah. those kind of guys are learning how to pitch. But the Orioles are a sneaky good team. Plus, they just called up Adley Rushman, too. So, yeah. And they have two more top prospects that are going to get called up throughout the year, Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. So I expect them to be a much – not I'm, I'm not going to say a great team, but they're, they're not going to be like an easy series win anymore like they yeah. have been in years past. But my top five teams this week, Ben, I got uh, – pretty similar list to you man we have the same top four teams so number five i have the milwaukee brewers they're 26 and 15 they had a great week they only lost one uh two games one of them was to the atlanta braves who shut them out in the game so their bats have been a little bit cold and freddie peralta is hitting the il this uh or he just hit the il today and they have a big week coming up this week three against the padres and four against the cardinals um so they i, I could see them regressing a little bit but I still have them number five. I'm not going to move them out of there yet. Number four, I have the Houston Astros. They're 27 and uh, 15 on the year. Verlander is excellent this year. Ageless wonder in their second in team ERA, fourth in WRC plus, and Jordan is second in home runs. And the bats are kind of just starting to heat up for Houston here. Um, number three, I have the Padres. I'm with you. The Padres are a very interesting team because they're really not great at anything, but they do have the best player in the National League right now in Manny Machado, who's definitely the MVP if the season were to end. And for some reason, they just figure out how to win games. Like They're 10th in ERA, so they're not like a elite pitching team. They're a good pitching team, but they're not elite. And they don't hit the ball very well. Like you said, they're like 22nd in hitting, so... Really, they just find ways to win, and they got Manny. So once they get uh, Tatis Jr. back, this could be a really great team, Ben. 100%. Number two, I have the New York Yankees, 29-11. I agree with you, bro. I think that that what happened could be some 
locker room issues. Nestor Cortez also came back down to earth a little bit, gave up three runs and six innings against the White Sox. And now Chad Green, who's one of their best, who's one of their top relievers, out for the year with Tommy John surgery. So I do expect the Yankees to regress a little coming up. And number one, I'm going to put the Dodgers. They are coming off a loss, like you said, but they went on a six-game win streak before that. And they're first in run differential still, first in team ERA, fourth in WRC+. plus. So, I mean, this is a great team. And I feel like like you nailed it, dude. Like, they're they're going to start rolling because they have such an easy schedule coming up. Yeah. They could get really nasty. If you're not a Dodgers fan, that is. It sucks. All right, so let's take a break real quick. Um, and then we'll hop back in here and we'll talk. We have a NHL to talk about. We're going get to get you all some best bets. So stay locked with us. We got a lot more to talk about. We are back. Thank y'all for sticking with us. We got a lot. We got a lot of hockey to talk about, but first we got to get to our second beer because I am fucking thirsty, Ben. Yes, yeah. So it is our uh, time for our second beer. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we are on a sour beer kick for tonight's uh, nice show. So 
I had a froze. I'm coming back with a slushy for my second beer. Jordan, you want to go? You're sipping on your beer, so I'm going to go first. Um, so I am going go uh, with a 405 North Brewing Company, and 405 North is out of Columbus, uh, Indiana. Um, so not Ohio, Columbus, Indiana. Um, and this is going to be a slushy XXL beer, uh, part of their baggy series. And this is a orange blueberry gelato <clears throat> and vanilla cream. Glad it is. Uh, it's using vanilla cream and not lactose. Um, I hope it's not lactose. I'm going to take one of my pills just to make sure it's not because most of these slushy pills are lactose beers. But um, we'll see how that goes. But it's a 5.3%. I rarely get to, to drink slushies, so I am, uh, I'm excited about it. <laughs> super dark beer. Super, oh, super dark. That's a fucking um, smoothie, damn near, yeah, bro. So we'll, we'll definitely see it. Great shit can looks art. like a what's that? What's that raspberry drink called from Jamba Juice? Oh, I don't even know. A razzmatazz. Razzmatazz. Yep. <laughs> I haven't had Jamba like. Juice in forever. All right. So what are you drinking? Not a razzmatazz. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking. Um, this is the Harvester. It's a sour ale with pineapple, passion fruit, and pink guava. This is from uh, Abomination. Brewing company out of North Haven, Connecticut. So kind of around the same areas, Evil Twin and stuff. Um, I've had a few of these beers from them before. This is the first time I've ever had this one, but the can art is very dope. Oh, hell yeah. And it's um, it's pretty good so far. I mean, after the first couple of sips, it tastes, tastes uh, nice, sweet, sensational, like a summer type beer. The kind of beer that Connor McDavid Ooh. drinks. Damn, I just had my first sip. This shit's good. Oh, damn. Better be. It was a fucking $12 beer. Oh, those are the best ones, bro. All right, let's talk about some hockey, Ben. So these NHL playoffs have been phenomenal, man. And this series in particular, Edmonton and Calgary coming into game three, by far the most entertaining series of the entire playoffs, in my opinion. Like, it has been great. Um, Eddie, Eddie, who's a Flames fan... Uh, we came on after game one, and we were talking on uh, on the pod. And, uh, you know, I came to find out before we came on the show, because I was like, dude, this is so many goals. This has to be the record. Wasn't even close to the record. Nope. <laughs> Which is pretty interesting. And the record for most goals in the series, been six games, 66 goals. Uh, one of the former Blackhawks versus Edmonton Oilers series in the 80s. Wasn't the top game 22? No, 19. 19. 19 is the most goals scored in a game between the Edmonton Oilers and the uh, LA Kings in 1982. Okay. There we go. I'm I'm on top of it, bro. There we go. I'll be staying on top of it. But nonetheless, entertaining series. Connor McDavid, 20 points, dude, in these playoffs in less than nine games. Um, Evander Kane, hat trick tonight, bro. Yep. Natty. Natural. Yep. Three straight goals. Pretty, pretty... uh, Fuck Evander King. And Edmonton, dude, I was surprised because, you know, coming into this series, I thought Calgary was definitely the better team. Yeah. I do have that future on the Oilers. So, like, I guess there was some positive things that happened to me this weekend in the betting world. But, like, I did not expect Edmonton to dominate the Flames the way they did tonight. And the Calgary, Calgary has a big problem with Markstrom, dude, because he is just mentally fucked against the Oilers, dude. Like, Mm. He's been great against everybody this year except for Edmonton. Yeah. 
by far the worst matchup. Yeah. And I dude, if Edmonton wins game four and goes up three to one in the series, it's over. Yeah, I, I don't think they will. Um, I think this is going to be a very long series. Um, I think this one will go seven. Um, dude, Flames look dead the, today, bro. Yeah, absolutely. But the Flames also took a ton of penalties. Um, had 27 penalty minutes on the game compared to the 16 of Edmonton. So when you're, you know, when you're in the box for it's half two of the games game, in a row, though, I, absolutely. And in every single game, the the um, uh, Flames have been in the penalty box more than Edmonton has. And first game, it worked. It, it kind of worked out for them, but games two and three has not so this team just needs to kind of buckle down and you know be a little bit more um, disciplined yeah disciplined within their play and I, I think that will really push things over into you know at least pushing this series longer I don't know where this is one this one's going to go because we could easily have a 2-2 series and then it's best of three um and a 2-2 series it really anything can happen in those last three games um especially when you're yeah, but you we could very ice, easily have a three-one series too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, nothing, I, I, nothing Calgary did tonight made me believe that they're the better team in this series. Tonight, no, I hundred percent agree with you on that. Hundred percent agree. Um, in games one, absolutely. Game two, there yeah, but even game one, dude, they were a they were a five to one, bro, and they that game went into overtime. Game one, or almost over. Yeah, they were they were up five to one, dude. In that it game, ended nine to six. I know, and they were up five to one. Yeah, and Edmonton came back and tied the game five to five Absolutely. at one point. Yeah, or I'm sorry, they were up six to one. Edmonton came back and tied it six six to six at one point. Like that's not good, bro. <laughs> that game no. should have never got to that point. And that's what I'm have. saying. In, right. in game two, they're up two to nothing, and Edmonton comes back and wins the game. Like I, I think at this point. You know, Calgary, this might be a mental block like Dallas has. You know what I mean? Like, Markstrom can't stop the Oilers, dude. And I feel like it's a mental thing at this yeah, point. Yeah, but Dallas came back to game seven. Yeah, but Dallas is a much better defensive team. I mean, I, I don't agree with that. Dude. No. Calgary Calgary has the players. They have the, the two-way play. Man. But, yes, you're absolutely right. Edmonton is rolling. But offensively Edmonton is the better the better team defensively Calgary is a better team for some reason all they year and not even not just the playoffs all season they they just have this thing against Edmonton like Edmonton just dominates them yeah yeah I, I still think this is going distance I don't think it's going to be a, a four game series or five game series like you know it, it could possibly be Edmonton could go out and win the next two yes they can but I think Calgary is going to push this to at least six or seven. Mm, fuck, man. Yep. I don't know. This is by far the best series, though. You're 100% right. Well, I, I mean, this next Alberta. series might might be up there, too. The Rangers in Carolina Hurricanes. So Carolina takes games one and two. It was tied one-to-one, went into overtime in game one. Carolina kind of dominated game two. Game three today. Rangers three to one at home. Carolina still can't win on the road. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on this series? This is a great one. I, I you know, it was a you know better played played game by you know the Rangers here today. Um, they got a, a goal late. 
um, which kind of helped push them to, you know, getting this three, one win instead of a two, two, one win. Um, you know, but it's, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a fun series. This is going to be a series that will go, you know, will go distance. You've got, you know, an offensively defensive team in, you know, in, in New York. Um, but the hurricanes have a defensively defensive team. And I think that's going to end up being, you know, the, the, the better push here is for the Carolina hurricanes, the better team to win this game. Um, yeah, my only concern know, is that they can't win on the road. <laughs> that's, I mean, they don't have to win on the road in this series because they, they, they don't home, have to. Home ice they can win on the road. They they proved that in the regular season that they can win on the road. <laughs> but in the playoffs, um, the they haven't team. been able to. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's got to give at some point. This they are by far the better offensive and defensive team. Um, yeah, the Rangers the are not good offensively. They, but. The thing we talked about exactly. coming into this series, though, was that, you know, Igor wasn't good in the Penguin series. He had to be much better in this series, and he has been much better in this series. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why the Rangers have hung around in games. Because I felt like even watching the game today, and I, like, I had it on at the same time as the PGA, so I wasn't, like, necessarily paying a ton of attention to it. Plus, I was watching yeah. baseball. But, like, every time I turned around, I felt like, Carolina was like on the four check, like the the puck was in the Rangers zone. Like I felt like they were dominating the game, like from that kind of standpoint. They just didn't get the pucks in the net necessarily, yeah. you know what I mean? So I mean like I I totally think that I mean the, I agree with you the Canes are the better team. Yeah. Canes have forty four shots on goal today to yep. the Rangers thirty three. So yeah. see my eyes didn't deceive me, dude. They were yeah. They did look like the more dominant team, and the Rangers just happened to win the game. So, exactly. Like, th- but this is a series that wouldn't shock me if this ended in five or six games, too, because the Canes, I I do strongly believe, the Hurricanes are a much better team than the Rangers. They are. Yep, they absolutely are. Um, and yeah, this could these next two games could very well go Carolina's way, and this is done in five. Yeah, um, that would not surprise me one bit. Um, you know, it is it is Shosturkin standing on his head and. Uh, you know, making 43 out of 44 saves is difficult. And for him to be able to do that is, you know, is, is definitely key. And I don't think he can do that in, you know, each and every game. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't able to do a last series. So yeah, I agree no. with you there. All right. And then we had a, we have an unusual scheduling thing here. So we had Tampa and, and Florida play today and then they play tomorrow back mm-hmm. to back. Um, but Tampa Bay, man, they go up three to three nothing on the series to the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers. Ben, yep. I mean, this Panthers team fucking sucks, dude. This series is over. Yeah, like the Panthers look yeah. dead, dude. Like, like I was, like I was telling you, I was watching the Rangers game and like it looked like the Canes were the better team. Yep. I watched this entire Panthers Lightning game. I've actually watched the last all three games in this series because. Mm-hmm. I'm lightly emotionally invested because I want to see Thornton win a cup, even though he's not playing. And like, dude, this team fucking sucks, dude. Like, they're not good. Their goaltender fucking can't stop nothing. Their offense, like, they don't even get great scoring chances. Like, they kind of just throw the puck on the net and just hope they get a rebound. And that's not going to work against Atlanta because 
that fucking goaltender there's what's his name? Um, Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, like he just swallows everything up, dude. He's fucking huge. Does yeah, he doesn't have to cover much hey. uh, because he's that big and and covers literally the whole goal when he's standing there. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the the offensive numbers. You've got Tampa Bay who scored eleven goals to Toronto to Florida's three. Um, they just cannot get anything by them. They can't get good quality shots on net. Yes, they're getting shots on net, but they're not of quality. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you can't even look at the shots on goal number because, like, they're literally just throwing it at the net and hoping for a rebound. And, it like, none of the score, like, the power play goal they had today, there's the first power play goal they scored in the playoffs, first of all. (laughs) That tells you how bad things are going. But it was, like, such a nice setup goal, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of shots on goal you want. Outside of that, motherfuckers just throwing the fucking puck on the net and just hoping yeah. that they get some kind of scoring opportunity. And I know I said uh, before, after game one, like they hit six posts. And game two, they had a few b- bounces not go their way, yeah. um, which kind of changed things. I mean, this team, honestly, it might be bad luck, dude. Because, I mean, they had a couple shots today that probably would have gone in 90% of the time. They had that one that hit uh, Hedman's stick as he's going down, and it fucking yeah. pops up over the net. And they had a wide-open net, dude. <laughs> and yep. it fucking doesn't go in. And then they hit a crossbar, too, today. So, But, again, dude, like, the Lightning just looked like the better team. And if I'm Toronto, man, I'm sitting at home saying, like, God damn, dude, we really let one get away from us because yeah. Toronto probably would have ran through the Panthers too. Yep. Absolutely. 100% right on that. Um, yeah, it's Very, unfortunate. Tampa Bay showing their, their prowess for a third year in a row. Dude, the Panthers remind me of the fucking Sharks. Hella good regular season, and then <laughs> in the playoffs can't get nothing going. Bad bounces all each way. So so tomorrow's game, Ben, right now, uh, Tampa Bay minus 123 on the money line. This is like consensus from all books, basically. Um, like you're going to find it like minus 122, minus 123 around there. Tampa Bay, Florida Panthers plus 102 on the money line. Uh, right now, 80% of the money is on Tampa Bay, minus 123 yeah. to win this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that it's at. It's only at minus 123. I mean, I'm going to be talking about this one a little bit later. Um, but it, it's just a – it shocks me at the level of, of play that that Florida is putting out there right now. is just – it's not what we saw in the regular season. And this is not a playoff hockey team. No, nah, they look uh, bad, dude. They, they yeah. look bad. Yep. There's no way around that. And especially coming out on back-to-back. Like, there is no time to adjust, adjust, and kind of revamp. So I'm, I'm really afraid of what's going to be happening for you know game four here, and I think this very well could be a, a sweep. Yeah, I thought that I thought giving up that game winning goal with like less than two seconds left in game two, I thought that was like a heartbreaker. Yeah. I thought it was very important for the Panthers to bounce back in this game and kind of like show some heart. I thought it was like a must-win type game, and I even bet them today because I I figured like this is a must-win game, and they just look dead, bro. <clears throat> they only have one power play goal in the entire playoffs. I mean, this is just not a good team right now. Yeah. And on the other hand, you're facing a Tampa Bay team that has championship pedigree. That's been there. They've done it. So I I don't think I don't think Tampa wants to play with their food either. Like, I think they just want to get this fucking shit over with and, and head to the Eastern Conference Finals, man. I think this shit's yeah. over. Yeah. 
It's an absolute wrap. All right, let's talk about the next game tomorrow, the St. Louis Blues versus the Colorado Avalanche. Right now, the Avalanche lead this series 2-1. to one. Do you know why they scheduled that shit like that? One game on Saturday and then three on Sunday and then a back-to-back? It could have been... Um... It could have been something that was they already had a concert scheduled at the arena or something like that. God damn, that's just, yeah. that is insane. Yeah. Um, so right now, Colorado minus one fifty nine on the money line. St. Louis plus one forty five over under six and a half. Colorado minus one and a half is plus one fifty. St. Louis plus one and a half is minus one seventy. Um, hammer Colorado, hammer Colorado, hammer Colorado. You think so? Um, yeah, uh, the biggest thing is because Bennington's out with lower body injury. He's out for the, the series. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, yeah, which is why we see, you know, a uh, <clears throat> you know a big kind of push for that money line there. Um, could return later in the playoffs, but is he left the first period uh, in Colorado's 5-2 win on the third uh, game three. And Jesus. it's out for the remainder of the the series. So I would push Colorado <clears throat> money line. You're not going to win much there. To be honest, I'd push Colorado. Um, minus one and a half. You know, yeah, minus one and a half. I think you could definitely you know get get that value there. Um, it's just Bennington was the reason why they were playing well. Um, I mean, almost ninety five percent save percentage there. Unheard of. And for him to go down, just it, it takes all the life out of you. Um, and they're not going to get the production out of a, a young guy. And, you know, we, we saw it in game three where they lost by three goals. So, um, yeah, huge push for, for Colorado here. Take all those bets. Damn. Yeah, I like Colorado money line too. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I thought they were the better team in the series. I still think that they're the favorites to win the Stanley Cup, obviously. Mm-hmm. They are based on the market as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I, I thought call, uh, St. Louis winning game two was like that was the one game they were going to get. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this yep. series is over. <clears throat> Went down that. All right, all right, all right. All right, it's time to get to some best bets for the day, Ben, for tomorrow, Monday. Uh, last week we went three and one, so not not too bad. What are the two best bets you got for this week? All right, so uh, first best bet I'm going to go with is that over two oh seven and a half in the uh, Miami Heat and um, and Boston Celtics game. And we looked at the numbers uh, previous, and uh, you know it, it just with the defensive players out uh, within this series, each game have gone over that, and to add Smart's injury. And to, you know, kind of have, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, at least be playing half of the game um, this upcoming game. I think we can push for that over two of seven and a half. Um, I'm a little I'm, I'm going to give three bets for this, uh, you know, for this week because of the Bennington injury. Um, I I'll start with the Colorado. Um, we're going to go minus one and a half there. Um, Colorado is just a better offensive team and really the St. Louis Blues have absolutely nothing when Bennington is not in the net. Um, so with the Bennington injury, I think you can easily take that minus one and a half and run with it. Um, we previously talked about this series, you know, never taking that minus one and a half, but the big part of that was because of how well Bennington was playing. Uh, we talked about it at uh, almost a 95% save percentage, 0.949. Um, but without him in net, I don't, 
I, I wouldn't trust the Blues farther than I can throw them. And uh, That's what I she throw said. Them far. So um, we've got. Uh, I'm also going to go with the uh, Tampa Bay money line here. Um, you know, I think we've got uh, a Florida team that is just kind of dead in the water right now, and Tampa Bay is rolling. Matt Vasilevsky is playing out of his mind. He does have a worse save percentage than um, uh, Bobrovsky, but uh, oh, excuse me, he does have better save percentage than Bobrovsky. Um, but uh, I was looking at uh, goals for Hagee. He has six goals compared to Ross Colton's five goals. Um, but the way Kucherov is playing, the way Vasilevsky is playing, I think you can definitely take money line here for the sweep. Um, something I never thought would have happened in a Panthers Lightning series. Man, that is absolute facts, bro. I'm with you on that. All right, my two best bets of the week. I'm going New York Mets money line plus 125 versus San Francisco Giants tomorrow night. I think the wrong team is favored here. The Giants don't hit lefties particularly well and have a high K percentage versus left-handed pitching at 22%, which is top 10 in the league. The Giants are also one of the best fastball hitting teams, but Drew Peterson, who's taking them out for the Mets tomorrow, he only throws he only, more than 50% of his of his pitches are off speed. And he mainly throws a slider and changeup, which the Giants are minus 1.3 and zero in weighted runs of, of above average on those pitches. On the flip side, Alex Cobb throws changeups about 40% of the time, and the Mets are second in the league with 16.9 weighted changeup, so weighted runs above average for that pitch against the changeup. The Mets are also seventh in WRC plus against the righties and are hitting 316 on balls in play. And Alex Cobb has a a 394 average on balls in play. Give me the Nets Mets money line plus 125 here. And then we're going under eight San Diego and Milwaukee. San Diego hits lefties well, but they're minus two against fastballs and weighted uh, runs above average. And 65% of Hauser's pitches are fastballs. On the flip side, my Milwaukee is one of the better fastball hitting teams, but Martinez does not throw fastballs. Uh, less than 45% of his pitches are fastballs, and he throws about his, his changeup about 40% of the time in curveballs as well, which Milwaukee is negative in weighted runs per average on, and the under is hitting 64% of the time, 64.7% to be exact, at Petco Park. So give me the under eight runs there. Let's head to the window and let's make this money. Yep. Five and oh tomorrow. Let's definitely let's see that happen. Y'all. All right, so it is time to get back to our beers for the night. We were all going with the fruited, uh, fruited beers or the fruited sours. Um, so Jordan, tell me how were your two? Man, my both of them were good. The new glory key lime, um, the key lime goes here. This one was, uh, it was good. It's easily drinkable. It's definitely like a nice spring summer type drink. So when it's like getting hot outside and you want to have a couple of beers with your homies or you're barbecuing or you're doing whatever and just want to enjoy a nice beer, this is a good beer you can like really savor during hot times and like it's not like overwhelming. It's not like a double IPA and it's going to get you totally fucked up. It's like 6.7%, so it's not very heavy. You could drink like a lot of them. Actually, it might be less than that. It might be like five, four point seven. Sorry, I saw point seven, four point seven. So it's a nice one, man. It's definitely something that I would drink again. Um, it's something that I would like drink pretty regularly for like a nice beer you can have often. So I'm gonna give that one a four point five out of five. Uh, my second beer, the Harvester, the Sour Passion Guava Ale. This one's really good, man. This is. 
this is an excellent beer, but like it's one that you cannot have a ton of because it's like pretty heavy. It's very thick. Um, it's not a slushy, but yeah. it's it's a thicker sour ale. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. it's delicious, dude. But like, I wouldn't drink a ton of them. I would definitely drink it again for sure. I'm gonna go four. Let's go f- four. Damn, I'm like in between four two five and four five. So let's go four three three. Let's drop it in the go. middle. Four three three. There we go. All right. So I had the uh the fun dip and then I had the uh the slushy. Um what was the actual title of this one? The slush auto. Um so we're gonna start with the fun dip, and this was from King's Brewery. Um and I am going to I'm gonna save what I'm gonna actually give it. So it was um it was pretty good beer. It had um it had good taste, it had good mouthfeel, it had a uh, great aroma. Um, the thing that I didn't necessarily like about this was that it it it, it was sweet. It was very sweet. Um, That's what she said. I would worry about this being a hangover type beer, um, especially coming in at seven percent. If you had a couple of these, you probably would not be kind of feeling feeling well in the morning. Um, it did. I did kind of get that fun dip flavor uh, to it, but it kind of tasted like all of the fun dip flavors mixed together. Um, so I said I. I, I think the overly sweet and then all of the fun dip flavors mixed together would kind of be a, a little bit of a negative hit to it. It, it, it was still good. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. I would drink it again, but I don't think I would necessarily go out of my way for it. I would love to have this fresh and on tap um, if I was ever to go to King's brewery. So um, the four Oh five uh, brewing, uh, sorry, four or five North brewing company. Um, the Slashato was a very good beer. This was the smoothie style sour, um it was not sour whatsoever um great mouthfeel uh it was thick but it didn't necessarily feel like you were drinking a loaf of bread which was definitely a a a good difference with the the kind of thicker beers that i've had usually those are going to be your double ipas um and the orange really came out of this beer it definitely had kind of that orange icicle or um you know the orange what is it the orange sickle the orange sickle, yeah, uh, that kind of ice cream taste to it. A um, little bit of blueberry in there, uh, but neither of those were too overpowering. I really like this beer. Um, I'm going to give this one a 4.5 out of five. Um, great, great beer that I would definitely come back to. And at 5.5 percent, you you can definitely drink a couple of these. So, oh yeah, good, good shit. Does it add more Chester? Of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the bourbon that gives me the chest hair. I was going to say, does that or bourbon put the chest it's hair the on there? It's the bourbon. I need, I need, all right. I need to start rocking a V-neck, dude. <sighs> Man, I got to get a... I was going to say I got to get a lower V. Yeah, dude. You gotta that, get, and so. you got to get Cubano chain, bro. There we go. All right. Done. Next show, I'll have it. There we go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, so that was the podcast, everybody. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you like the beers that we uh, featured on this podcast. Make sure to check us out tomorrow where we will go over uh, the, the bets that we had uh, placed for today. We'll be talking about that uh, Boston and, uh, and Miami game. We'll be talking a little bit of the playoffs, and uh, Jordan will be joined by Irvin tomorrow night, right? And Eddie, both. Irvin and Eddie tomorrow night. So um, Do an you know, NFC be- East uh Win, win totals tomorrow damn you're going all on these uh, APR stuff so I should probably be there too but 
uh, can't make tomorrow night. So it'll be the three of them. They'll be going uh, going strong on this. Make sure to check out Tavour. Go to Tavour.com. Download the Tavour app. Use promo code Tapperman signing up and get $10 off your first purchase. Yes, sir. Thank you again for checking us out. You'll see Jordan tomorrow. Me back on Tuesday. Let's go. Have a good week. Have a great week, y'all. Peace.